Hi everyone. So we are in the last chapter of the book of Revelation that we are going to read. And uh, closer. Okay. Hope everybody can hear me. So Revelation chapter 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of, the, of its street and of either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp, nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw the, and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant, and of your brothers or brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end the first and the last. Blessed are those who do the, his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are the dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bright says, come, and let him who hears come, say come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of the book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in his book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Lord, give us open eyes this morning to see your word 
and to do your word. Open our eyes to see Jesus. And as we wait to come, to say, come Lord Jesus. Amen. So we are in the book of Revelation, last chapter. It's the last chapter also of the whole Bible. And we see here a final invitation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout the Bible and throughout the years, it is God's pleasure to give out an invitation to the people to come to him to be satisfied in him. As uh, John Piper famously says in his motto of his life or of his, uh, uh, his desiring God ministries, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And again and again throughout the Bible, God is inviting us to come and enjoy him, enjoy who he is, and what he does, and what he promises and provides. So one of the invitations in the 95th Psalm says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. And again, in Isaiah, the famous, famous invitation is come, let us now reason together, says Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool, in the chap first chapter. And also in the 55, uh, chapter 55 in the book of Isaiah, the invitation is, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the rivers, Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me, hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Another invitation, it's the invitation of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, the last few verses. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is, is uh, light. Another invitation is the invitation of Jesus in the book of Revelation to one of the churches, when he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And this is the invitation. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him, and he with me. At the very end of uh, the Bible, God again gives out an invitation to everybody and invites people for the last time to him to be saved. So the final invitation we see here 
in the book of Revelation. Uh, I realize I have to skip a few things from my notes because it will be getting again very long. So the whole book was introduced in the first uh, eight verses in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, and now it's uh, concluded in these uh, last verses uh, in chapter 2 from chapter 22 from verse 10. And uh, we see and we saw last time in chapter 21 the bride of the Lamb, the new Jerusalem, uh, descending from heaven as a city. And uh, we saw its gates, we saw its uh, foundation, its walls, we saw it uh, coming down in a, as a perfect cube, uh, just like uh, the Holy of Holies the most holy place in the tabernacle or in the temple. And we saw the New Jerusalem as a heavenly temple. And now in the book of uh, Revelation chapter 22, we see the same city, like uh, we go closer and closer, inner and inner to the city center, and we see it as a garden city. It is a city with a river, with trees, and it's like a garden. And it reminds us uh, to the beginning, when uh, God created everything and placed uh, the first man, Adam and Eve, in the garden, the Garden of Eden. We see the same place uh, being renewed, and also uh, there is a, a, a passage in Ezekiel, when uh, Ezekiel sees a vision about the new uh, Jerusalem, the new temple, and he sees the water of life coming from the threshold of the temple, from for each side of the uh, the temple, so the river of life, the river of living water. We saw in the Garden of Eden there was a, a water a river went out from Eden. It says, and it has four branches. And we, we know the names of them. It's recorded in Genesis chapter 2. And then uh, uh, we see there the tree of life, and we see the presence of God in the Garden of Eden. But uh, the same thing we see here, but on a much higher level, more elevated uh, level in the book of Revelation. We saw the first creation, now in Revelation we see the new creation. In Genesis uh, chapter, first chapters we see paradise lost, in Revelation we see paradise regained. But uh, regained not just what was lost, regained much more that was lost. More we have in Revelation through Jesus Christ than we would have if we would still be in the Garden of Eden. We saw a garden built by God. Here we see a city with foundations whose builder and maker is God. And we read in Hebrews chapter 11 
that all those men of faith were waiting for a better country, a heavenly one, than we have here. In uh, the letter to the Corinthians, his first letter, Paul says, as it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a living, life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual not first, but the natural, and afterwards the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. So the comparison of the earthly things to the heavenly things. If we were part of this earthly uh, creation, we, will, we are also part, through Jesus Christ, of the new creation. Eden, or the Garden of Eden, was only the shadow of what is the real thing. These earthly things are only the shadow, the reality of Jesus Christ. Adam lived in, in the Garden of Eden. He was the Lord of the Garden of Eden. He was put there to rule over everything. We are ruling with Christ together. We are seated in the heavenly places with Christ. Adam was, so to speak, on probation in the Garden of Eden. Because it was says, there is a tree in the middle of the garden. You should not touch it or eat from it. But what we see, no probation in heaven. We see the tree of life, but we don't see the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we don't see the serpent in there. Jesus... He says, he who believes in me has everlasting life. And this saying of Jesus is already true. He who believes now in me has now everlasting life. Not one thousand or two thousand or three thousand years, how much we shall wait still more for his return. Right now, all who believe in Jesus have everlasting life. We have access to the tree of life, to the water of life. We are now part of the heavenly things through Jesus Christ. When Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman, he said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. And again, Jesus on the last day, the great day of the feast, he stood up and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And this he said about the spirit that was uh, to become uh, to the earth. And uh, all these verses about the living water are being fulfilled here 
in chapter 22, verse 1 in, of the book of Revelation. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal. We won't have uh, time to spend on every aspect of these verses and uh, uh, to explain everything, but uh, I would like to answer a question or try to answer a question that uh, has to be asked. <coughs> so. And speaking about this uh, heavenly city, the question is, how do we get there? How do we get to this city? We know the story of humanity after Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they fell, they rebelled against God, they were disobedient, and God drove them out from the Eden. And there was no way back to Eden. There was a, the cherub put there with a lightning two-edged sword to guard the way back. And there's no way back. And ever since, man tried to get back to heaven, get back to Eden, back to the presence of God. The only occasion Jesus uses the word paradise is when he's on the cross and he says to the one next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. The way back to paradise is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, through his death, through his death and through his body that was uh, torn apart on that cross. <coughs> on that cross, all uh, God's, God's wrath against sin fell on Jesus Christ. He bore our sin. He became a curse for us so that we could become the righteousness of God through him. And now all who come can come only through him. He is the way to the Father. He is the only one that can bring us back to the presence of God. There is a story uh, that uh, Spurgeon, the famous uh, uh, preacher, says about Andrew, Andrew uh, Fuller, who was a preacher, a famous one, he as well, and he was meant to be preaching in a, a village and for this he had to cross a river and he didn't know the area. I think it was his first time to go there and he has to cross this uh, river and as he went into the river and in the middle of the river, uh, the river was a fast river and it was very deep and he was uh, lost there. He was very afraid to go further because the currents of the river were so strong, he was afraid it would take him and there would be no way out. Then there was a farmer passing by and saw this man of God uh, trying to cross this river and he said to him, Mister, just go on, go on. I know it will be fine, you will make it. So Andrew Fuller said, if you say so, I will go. I will go through faith by faith. And then, this is what uh, Spurgeon says about this. Now, sinner, 
You think that your sins are so deep that Christ will never be able to carry you over them. But I say to you, it is all right, sinner. Trust Jesus and he will carry you through, through hell itself if needed. If you had all the sins of all the world, of all the men who ever lived, and they were all yours, if you could trust him, Jesus Christ would carry you through, through the current of all that sin. It is all right, man. Only trust Christ. The river may be deep, but Christ's love is deeper still. So there is a way through, and only one way through. And this way is through Jesus Christ. All around history, people were trying to get back to the presence of God. They were trying to, to build Babel, Babylon. They were trying to this and to do that. They were trying healthcare, the green agenda. And we could enumerate how many things people are trying to do to get back to paradise. But there is only one way, and the way is Jesus Christ. We, we read in uh, verses 6 and 7 about uh, those who keep and obey the prophecies of this book. They are uh, proclaimed to be blessed. Jesus says in this last chapter three times, Behold, I am coming quickly. And there are other verses that uh, refer to his coming, so altogether seven times we read about his coming uh, again. So in, light, in the light of this uh, imminent coming of Jesus Christ, uh, that he can return any time, <coughs> there is a question that arises. What should our response be for his coming? He says, I am coming quickly. So what we respond? How we respond to this? The response should be, it says, Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Our response should be to keep, to obey, and to do the words of this prophecy. It says these words are faithful and true. These are real, reliable, trustworthy. We can trust them. These are the only true words. It says he is coming quickly. There should be an expectation from our part. We should anticipate his coming. And... Uh, this truth should guide us each day as we wake up and as we walk in our daily life. We should expect Jesus coming back. But Jesus is not just coming back sometimes in the future. Jesus is already coming back. He is already on the way. It says, Behold, I am coming. See that I am coming. He is already on the way, so to speak. Because the process of his return already began. Any time can happen. Some people say this and that prophecy should be fulfilled 
and this and those things we should expect before he comes back. But the truth is that God can send Jesus back anytime and any day. Then in verses uh, 8 and 9, we see John again, who heard these things from the angel, again falling on his knee to worship the angel. He did this, uh, I think, in chapter uh, 19 or 20, and the angel stopped him uh, there as well. So the angel refuses to be worshipped, and this uh, shows us that the source of the vision is not the angel who shows John. The source of the vision is God himself. Also, it shows that the angels don't have uh, this role of being medi medita mediators between God and man. And also, it's a warning. It says the angel, don't do that, worship God. It's a warning against idolatry. That's already was present in the first uh, uh, hundred years, the first century in the churches, and also in, during the uh, seven churches we see in chapter 2 and 3, there is a warning against idolatry, not to one, but to two churches among the seven. So God forbids the worship of anyone else. No saints... No angels, no Virgin Mary or any other being ought to be worshipped. Then, from verse 10, he says, Don't seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Don't seal this book. Don't close this book. This book should be an open book. For everyone to read it and everyone to understand it. Don't seal it because Jesus is coming. Uh, in the book of Daniel, Daniel had a vision about the last things as well. And there, the. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. It says there in chapter 12 of the book of Daniel. But why? should this book be open. It says because the time is at hand. The time is near. Then in verse 11 we read, He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. These verses uh, might shock us. Let him be unjust. Let him continue in his sin, in his lifestyle. But no, the truth is But today God is still inviting us to change. It should shock us and should, should shock everybody, this saying of God. For everybody who hears it, Wow, I should continue in my way of life. No, God doesn't want that. God still wants us, everybody, to be changed. Everybody turn to him and to follow him. But there will be one day when, as we read in the book of Ecclesiastes, where the tree falls, 
there it shall remain. So after Jesus returns, there won't be any time or any chance to change. But today, God is still inviting sinners to continue to inviting sinners to all to have ears and to hear and uh, this verse should be understood as a rhetorical or ironic uh, expression it says in verse 14 blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city <coughs> blessed are those who do his commandments in some other translations uh, different uh, Greek manuscripts it says blessed are those who wash their robes who wash their robes or who do his commandments uh, these those who have been washed by Christ in justification they should continue to clean themselves through sanctification they should also walk in the new life that they were given. The washing here refers to the persevering of, in faithfulness to Christ and refusing to compromise even in, the, in trials that are coming and tribulations. It also means that everybody needs to wash their clothes. Blessed is, are those who wash their clothes or everybody who does the commandments, who obeys. Because everybody has dirty clothes. None of us are clean. Everybody needs to be cleansed. How do you wash your robe? How you, do you get cleansed by your sins, from your sins? There's a story in the book of Zechariah, chapter three, about Joshua the high priest, and we read there, then he showed me Joshua the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. It is not a, a brand, brand uh, plucked from the fire. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. And he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your, removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put the clothes on him, and the angel of the Lord stood by. How can we get cleansed? How can we wash our robe, our clothes? How can we get white ones, as we read earlier in Revelation? Only God can give us clean clothes. And how? By trusting Jesus Christ. And there are two blessings for those who do this, who obey God's word, who wash their clothes, Two blessings. It says that they may have the right to the tree of life and they may enter through the gates into the city. 
So this is uh, the best thing, because it says they may enter through the gates into the city. This is the presence of God inside the city. So the best things about heaven is not the tree of life, it's not the streets of gold, it's not everything about the fruit of the tree or the, the water that flows there. The best thing about heaven is the presence of God. It says in verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. The morning star, this is a messianic uh, language in the Bible, and it refers to the divine, uh, divine being, the Messiah who would come and restore the kingdom of uh, God on earth. There is a prophecy in the Balaam's uh, vision in Numbers uh, 24. It says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. And this verse is considered uh, referring to the Messiah even by Jewish uh, scholars. So the response again for, to these words of Jesus Christ, we find in uh, verse 17, where we read, and uh, we read four great invitations there. The Spirit and the Bride says, come, and let him who hears say, come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. The Spirit and the Bride, that is the Church, says, come. This is the invitation. The Spirit says, come, we hear, we say, come, and everybody who hears should pass, pass it on. And everybody who hears, whoever, any time, any day, any time of their life, hears this invitation, should come. As we read already in uh, Isaiah chapter 55, come to the waters and buy uh, freely. And the invitation of Jesus, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And the question this morning is, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for the water of life? And if you are thirsty this morning, the invitation is up to you as well. Come to Jesus. Come to these waters. Augustine, or Saint Augustine, as some call him, in his confessions says, you have formed us to yourself and our hearts are restless unless they find rest in you. It's not enough to go to church. It's not enough to read your Bible. It's not enough to believe your Bible. It's not enough to, to pray and do all the right things. You need to drink of the water of life. That is Jesus Christ. You have to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and take the water of life freely. Verses 18 to 20. If the other uh, invitation was do not seal the book, this invitation is do not change the book. It says, 
For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of, the pro of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life and from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Adding and taking away, this is the reference uh, that you find in the, the autonomy. That is the second uh, repetition of the, the law. And there uh, in chapter 4, uh, I printed it out, it says, You shall not add to the word which I commanded you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I commanded you. And there is an explanation, I'm not going to read, uh, it's a longer passage in uh, chapter 29 of the book of Deuteronomy. It says that uh, adding to the book, of, uh, the book means uh, inviting people to idolatry. It's false prophecy there in, in Deuteronomy. So, there are false prophets. There were false prophets in the Old Testament and in the early church and today's church. So there is a solemn warning in this book, the last page of the Bible. Do not add to the gospel. Do not take away. Because some people like to add, yeah, you need to trust only Jesus for salvation, but you still need to do this and that. And, and no, the gospel says there is only salvation by grace through Jesus Christ alone. Not through our faith, not through our works, only believing in Jesus Christ. And don't take away. Some people say, Yo, no, you don't have to do anything. You just need to believe and to receive the grace. You already have the new life in Jesus. And there is a, a so-called hyper-grace movement that's coming uh, strongly our days. And that says you don't need to change at all. You, you just remain as you are and you are fine to go. So these uh, false prophets in the book of Revelation are identified in the letter to the Perga Pergamon uh, in uh, chapter 2. And it says there, But I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things, sacrifice to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. And again, uh, later in verse 20, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow that woman, Jezebel, who has herself a prophetess, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave, him, gave her time to repent, and she did not repent. So this is a warning, not just to Pergamon or Thyatira, but to everyone who belongs to Jesus. Do not distort the truth by taking away or by adding to it. So keep the gospel clear, the good news that what has God done in Jesus Christ. And finally, in verses 20 and 21, <coughs> he who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming quickly. 
Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. This is what we need uh, today to walk the Christian life that we find in the last verse. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. We need this to walk the Christian life, to hold on to the word of God, to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to resist the temptations of the harlot, as is seen in chapter 18 and 19, to test and to try the false teachers. We need the grace of God to stand against the synagogue of Satan and to reject the teaching of the Nicolaitans and to reject Jezebel. We need the grace of Jesus. Lord Jesus, we stand before you and we ask you to preserve our faith to the end. As we now go out from this place, we go out and we spread the good news. Your invitation to everybody to come to these waters. And this morning as we have come to this water and have drank from the water of life that's flowing from your throne of life, fill us by your spirit even more, O oh Lord, as we cry out, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen.